I'm Jeff Gibson. Welcome to The Movie Lovers, the official podcast of The Gibson Review. Each episode, we'll talk about our weekend review, move on to the main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion, and finish with Film Faves, our list of 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. This week, our main event will be the Fast and Furious franchise and review of The Fate of the Furious. Shanna will later join us with our film faves, 2014, our favorite movies of the year 2014. But today, uh, for the first uh, couple sections of the podcast, we have a guest. I'd like to introduce um, our special guest, Alan Gilchrist. I've been looking forward to uh, his uh, appearance on this episode ever since well before we recorded our first episode. Welcome, Alan. Hey, how's it going? Awesome. Uh, I've asked him on here because we have a connection to the main event topic that has brought on some excellent discussions. So hopefully you'll enjoy our discussions as much as we enjoy having the discussion. But before that, let's start with our Week in Review, where we talk about a couple movies or TV shows that we've seen in the past week. Alan, do you want to start us off? What have you been watching this past week? Well, uh, last night I watched Gremlins, which I came out, what, 1984? 1984, yeah, yeah, I think so. So it was a bit of a nostalgia trip for me. I haven't seen it in well over a decade, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't how, did, how, did, how did it hold up for you? Uh, did you see it as a kid? Yeah, I saw it as a kid. saw it when I was probably like 9 or 10. You, you know, loved it a lot back then. And I think I still had a lot of fun with it. It was it was fun to see, you know, the movie again. You know, it, it had some troubles with, with some of its own storytelling and consistency as far as its rules, you know. The famous with, rules. Yeah, it was the famous rules. Don't, don't feed them after midnight. Don't get them wet kind of things. So, you know, if anything, I wasn't like I was, you know, angry at it. But I just kind of chuckled and laughed, you know, uh, at some of those things. But uh, What are some of the inconsistencies that you found? Well, you know, I, I think we've heard about some of these things, but uh, just looking at, you know, the rule about, oh, you know, don't don't feed them after midnight. And it's like, well, where are you and what time zone? And is it midnight now? And what happens? You know, so that kind of thing. But the big one for me was uh, don't get them wet. And then you spend the final third of the movie, I think, with some of the gremlins running around in the snow. And I'm thinking, well, they generate body heat. So I'm pretty, <laughs> pretty darn sure that they're going to get wet. And uh, it wouldn't even take stripe jumping in the old pool there to, to rip off a few new gremlins for us. So... I don't know. I thought <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah, let's see. So there's the eating after midnight. There's don't get them wet. Yeah. What's the I other? I think they don't let bright light. Bright light. Bright light. Bright Did light, you notice yeah. any inconsistencies with that rule too? Yeah. Whether well, there, you know, there were some things about it because I was kind of looking for it, thinking like, you know, the first night he's got, you know, Mogwai, he's got the gizmo, and he's got him propped out there in, in kind of the moonlight. Mm. And I'm thinking, man, I hope he doesn't stay there all night because when the sun comes up, in the morning, he's. <laughs> He's toast, man. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> evidently, they say, oh, you get sunlight, you die. So right, sure. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny too. But I don't think there's any huge inconsistencies there. I mean, throughout the film, there's times where they're like bright light, bright light. You know, right, right, yeah. And uh, you know, they kind of use that uh, at one point in the film to fend them off when they're in the bar and the. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. Right. Right. And uh, with the flash. With the flash. And... Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking, understand the flash of the camera because uh, what's her name? Phoebe Cates. Yeah, she yeah. uses the mm-hmm. the camera to, you know, fend them off when she realizes the bright light bothers them. So. But that was pretty pretty funny. Right, right. Um, but the water's the big one. Yeah. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> did it ruin the experience of did it, watching the movie? Did it make it like, uh, do you think it doesn't hold up very well because of that? Or were you able to still enjoy the, the movie 
I still enjoy it. the movie for the movie. I mean, when you start thinking about the implications of, of the you know the Mogwai in general, mm-hmm. it's like, man, those things would you know repopulate and kind of like snuff everything out <laughs> within like days because yeah, they multiply point. so quickly. You'd be like trouble with tribbles with Star Trek, right? Like, <laughs> way worse, way quicker. Right. Um, it may be cute for just a little bit until they eat after midnight, and then we're all in trouble. So sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> unless unless you think like. What they turn into later is cute too, but you know that's that's your own personal preference. I remember first of all, Gremlins. I've, I've rewatched, and it it was of course scary enough, edgy enough at that time that it, along with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, helped uh, lead to the creation of the PG thirteen rating. Mm. So, and I still think like it kind of works as a horror comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my son has uh, seen it and he gets kind of scared still. Uh, some of the scenes, but you had mentioned the the issue with the eating at midnight, right? Right, and that must have been something that the director heard a lot after the release of that movie because I remember in Gremlins Two, the new batch, they actually address that issue, and the person who addresses that issue immediately gets eaten by a gremlin. Nice. I don't know if you remember. Did well, you ever do, see? The do you know Dash? that's kind of the whole reason I watched that last night? Is I was going through my list of movies and I'm like, oh, oh, you know what? I have never seen Gremlins too. You know, so oh, my really? partner and I were like, hey, you know what? Let's fire up Gremlins and we'll watch them both. And we only made it through one, so uh. <laughs> we're just horrible. We didn't, you know. But uh, the plan is to watch number two, but uh, we've, we've only seen number one. So. I remember really loving number two. I'd, I would love to see that again. I gotta show my uh, wife Shannon uh, that movie. I think because I always thought that was a lot funner. Sure. Than the first one yeah. uh, myself, I don't know. But uh, what else have you watched this past week? Oh, yeah, my partner and I, we're, she and I, are really into watching uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. So we've been watching that on uh, Netflix. It was just kind of something we threw on one day to watch an episode, and then we kind of got hooked on it and watched quite a few of them. And I just think it's fun to kind of revisit some of these old sitcom kind of situations and really kind of get a, a an idea of where. Kind of maybe some of the more you know well-known formulas have come from that you saw you know in things uh, in the 80s like you know the Cosby Show or Growing Pains or things like that. Just the situational comedy stuff that you uh, that you see people end up in, and uh, uh, it's just funny to kind of see like oh they were doing that way back then, and I don't know kind of like what I expected. Mm-hmm. You know I'm 40 now. I I have happened to see quite a few old sitcoms, but for whatever reason didn't see a lot of this one, and uh, so it's just fun to see kind of like. Uh, male-female dynamic kind of stuff, husband-wife roles, expectations with people and the professionalism and the environment and things like that. And, of course, just Mary Tyler Moore before she was on the Mary Tyler Moore show. And so it's just fun to see that, kind of revisit that. What sort of conventions you started with that in terms of conventions you see used a lot in the 80s uh, sitcoms? Uh, what did you observe in Dick Van Dyke show? And was it uh, more archaic or was it a lot different than... Um, what you grew up seeing in the uh, more 80s and 90s shows? Well, I don't know about different, but I would say that I was surprised at seeing there being a good balance between, you know, there being things that are that are brought up with, you know, the, the role of a husband or a wife, you know, instead of always being like, well, I'm the man and this is how it goes. You know, there's definitely like both, both parties kind of get their comeuppance in terms of like when they're doing something that the other person doesn't like. And by the end of the episode, it you know, kind of balances out. I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but... yeah. You know, but I, the things that I noticed that were similar that I was surprised is, you know, things like, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, their child. It's like, you know, they're at school and they have to bring their, um, bring your father to uh, the school day and he has to come in and speak about his job. And of course, he's all anxiety ridden about what am I going to say? What am I going to oh, do? Yeah, yeah. Kids going to like it? Or yeah, you know, kind of like in City Slickers. 
Sure. And, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, yeah, and maybe that's not you know it's not a sitcom, but it's another you know thing that you see kind of coming up, and you know stuff like you know uh, in the show. Dick Van Dyke character is one of the main writers for a comedy uh, hour That's show. That's right. And so, you know, you've got everybody in the neighborhood thinking, well, my kid's funny, or I'm funny, or I have a buddy that's funny. So, you know, those kind of things you see, you know, so um, it's kind of standard fare and things you see in sitcoms a lot, and particularly in the 80s and things like that. So it was just funny to see and compare those things. Not too, too terribly different, but maybe some of those things being brought up earlier or shown earlier than I would have anticipated. Well, very cool. Very cool. Dick Van Dyke Show. Uh, and you said you saw that on Netflix? Uh, Netflix, yeah. Awesome. So it's cool. And does it have all the um, all the uh, seasons there? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Sweet. That was something I'd mentioned before, that there was a, a lot more episodes than I'd anticipated. I don't know oh. if the you know, standard would be 16, 24, something like that. And yeah, yeah. I know that some of the seasons exceed that amount. And I believe at some point uh, the show came uh, back on the air later, Mm-hmm. and a different kind of I haven't seen this so I don't know for sure but I think it was a color you know uh, really this is a, no, black and white of course uh, but yeah very um, cool very cool right on awesome well uh, I have seen a lot since the last episode but I'm, I'm going to pare it down to three things first thing I'd like to talk about is a film called The Good Lie which in the marketing, it makes you believe, uh, think that it, it stars Reese Witherspoon, like she's a main character in it. She's featured prominently in the posters, the mm. trailers, and everything. In actuality, she has, I don't know, a half an hour's worth of screen time in the movie. She doesn't show up until uh, about 45 minutes into the movie, I think. It actually stars about three or four uh, Sudanese uh, refugees who had to go to another country in Africa, a neighboring country in Africa, in order to hopefully be able to emigrate to the United States, Mm. which actually unfortunately took place right before September 11th, 2001. It really focuses on their struggle in their journey to the refugee camp, and then when they do finally get into the States, what their struggle is there, because there's like some sort of a humanitarian organization Mm -hmm. that created the refugee camps and was helping people get into the United States. And then when they're there, they would also help set them up with um, new jobs, a new place to live, and things like that. It's actually a really fascinating and eye-opening story. The uh, three primary, three or four primary actors are actually either refugees themselves who went through the experience themselves or uh, a child of someone who went through that experience. Oh, that's very um, cool. So, yeah, it's, it's very cool. However, of course, something like that, uh, Hollywood's not going to necessarily market a movie that's basically about three or four black people that no one have ever heard of before Mm. so i kind of got the sense though while watching it that reese witherspoon's involvement was kind of a a studio conditioning um, of getting the project made in the first place Mm -hmm. uh, so that way they can try to market it and i'm not sure even then that it necessarily did very well the only reason why i even heard about it was uh, while i was on a trip to south africa it was actually one of the movies that was listed and i was like oh reese witherspoon and uh, so we finally got to uh, see that. It was actually really good. 
and uh, definitely worth uh, checking out. I think it might still be on Amazon Prime or Hulu, uh, but definitely uh, check that out if you can. Another thing that I watched recently was uh, we watched The Birds of Prey, which was a 2002 TV series that was from the same creators as Smallville. Mm. Now, apparently they were thinking, Smallville is such a hit in its first season, let's try and develop another DC series. This time, it's all (laughs) focusing on female superheroes, uh, which is based on an actual comic book of the time that was actually doing really well. It's really interesting because, on the one hand, it's ahead of itself, ahead of its time, because it takes things kind of seriously, kind of like Arrow and the Flash would a few years later. Mm Mm-hmm. But also, on the other hand, it's clearly of its time because it's really, really silly. Really ridiculous. They changed some of the characters, too. There's a character called the Huntress. They made her an offspring of Catwoman and Batman. Ah. (laughs) And what's even weirder is because she's an offspring of Catwoman, she has, like, cat-like powers. Oh, okay. where she her eyes turn cat-like and everything whenever she's about to fight. And it gets really, really cheesy. Yeah. Harley Quinn plays the main villain. Mm-hmm. And she's actually played by, oh, the girlfriend in Ferris Bueller, oh. uh, whose name is escaping me right now, the, yeah. the actress. <laughs> but uh, she actually plays Harley Quinn, and she's kind of like behind the scenes orchestrating whatever they have to deal with each episode. Okay. It's very Is she like off screen, or I mean, most of the time, or you, she'll get certain scenes with a particular thug mm. of that episode or okay. something. But she's also the psychiatrist of the Huntress mm-hmm. too, um, secretly. So it's it's really odd take on Harley. Oh, it's not necessarily the Harley that we know. It's mm-hmm. Much darker. So yeah, we didn't get through that whole series but and i think largely because like we watched five or six episodes out of like the 11 or 12 that were created before it was canceled okay and so it didn't make it a full season no but, it did not yeah, do very well gotcha. at all and you can kind of <laughs> see why like yeah. it's it's worth applauding that it was ahead of its time to an extent yeah but it was no smallville unfortunately and then lastly i saw the circle which is a new film starring emma watson and Tom Hanks saw it the day after opening night, uh, for those of you listening, because this will come out well after its release. And I didn't, I'd seen the trailers for that. Have you seen the trailers for The Circle? I don't think so, no. Okay, so it looks fairly promising if you watch the trailers. Basically, Emma Watson comes in as this new employee to this major tech company, very much like Apple or Microsoft, and it has this main guy who's kind of like a Steve Jobs figure that everybody Mm. looks up to. He's played by Tom Hanks. And uh, The Circle essentially is a company that wants to streamline everything Mm -hmm. through their software, through their... Well, not software, because it's all cloud-based, essentially. Yeah, you know, I think I did see this trailer quite a while ago, now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah. And supposedly it's like they have actually sinister intentions and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to the Facebook page, uh, the Gibson Review on Facebook, you'll see a few of my thoughts on there. But the the 
one of the biggest problems I had was the movie doesn't take its time to introduce you into this company in a, in a way that makes you understand why people actually like revered this uh, this guy and what this company has actually done for the world and for society because you kind of have to like the movie has to gain your trust right mm. um you have to kind of see the benefits of the company why everybody's all in all and all and really grateful to work for the company in order for you to um, care about anything else that happens anything sinister that happens right yeah well, from the first presentation, the whole thing feels creepy because it's all about everybody being connected, everybody having full transparency, um, uh, and social media essentially being one of the one of the instigators of being able to be connected and never be alone. Yeah. One of the mantras is if you if you're alone, you have secrets, and if you have secrets, you're telling you're basically lying. And we're our better selves when we're not alone. So um, why don't we make it so none of us are ever alone? Doesn't necessarily make <laughs> you jump on board right away and be like, right. "Hey, that's a brilliant idea." Right. You know. But that's you know that's the plan that everybody in the film is like, "Oh, that's fantastic. That huh. sounds like a great idea," and it just doesn't work. It doesn't feel right you know it, from the start is it like contemporary modern day setting like right oh, now yeah. or is oh, yeah. it 10 years from now uh years? it doesn't come across doesn't really as say. like in the near future or anything mm. like that it's it's just like uh, our current society if a company like this existed you know it's definitely trying to be like uh this is the direction we could be going kind sure, of thing right, right. you know and on top of that also like there's just information missing like certain characters behave in certain ways where they're fine in one scene, and the next scene they're totally pissed at Emma Watson or whatever. And you're like, why? What is that person's deal? Like, how did we get from A to B? And yeah. how are we supposed to see that other person's side? It's like inter-office dynamics on steroids, but with no sense of what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, yeah, so there's a really good movie in there somewhere. It had a potential, but I really feel like it's, it's missing a lot of information from a movie about being transparent and giving information well yeah you know maybe. it's missing a lot for you to really click with it i'm kind of curious here to check that out just because of that part of it i'm like oh yeah much of that is intentional or not or i don't know I don't yeah know. it's really weird and then there's there's stuff in the third act that um i won't get into but uh it's supposed to feel triumphant you're kind of like but what did they do to earn that mm -hmm. and Aren't we still kind of arguing for a Big Brother society anyway? Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't work, and it's unfortunate mm. because uh, it has a lot of great talent in it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Emma Watson, and so she can't really get a break. I don't feel like she's since the Harry Potter movie has been in um, a, a really great movie in quite some time. Mm. So, so that's um, that's my week in review. With that, let's move on to our main event. This week, we're going to talk about the Fast and Furious uh, franchise and lead into a review of Fate of the Furious. First of all, I thought it would be a good idea if we were to talk about our history with the franchise. You know, uh, what is our relationship, where we've come uh, to with this, uh, uh, with this franchise. And I thought I'd, I'd start... 
uh, first. And it'll make more sense once once you talk a little bit about your history, Alan, yeah. with it. My history is that when the first movie came out, I really resisted. I, I <laughs> got the sense that it was about a particular culture and a particular kind of machismo that I was not going to like. And it didn't really get good reviews anyway, so that kind of validated my perspective of what it was. So I pretty much stayed away. Jump ahead to 2011 or so fast five comes out (laughs) and i hear a lot of chatter about how great fast five is and uh, you know i got really great reviews as a matter of fact in hindsight it is often listed on a lot of best of lists and a lot of people feel like it's the best of the series so uh, it wasn't too long after it came out, uh, especially on the video market, that I decided, okay, I'll give this a shot, you know? And I'm really glad I did. Uh, first of all, I felt like that was a really great jumping off point. Like, all I really needed to know about it, is, and by the way, spoilers for most of the Fast and Furious franchise, the only thing I felt like I needed to know was that a, a particular character died in the previous uh, movie, mm-hmm. right? Right. Because the movie basically reintroduces all the characters, right, by building this team mm-hmm. together. And it takes, all, from what I understand, characters from all the previous movies that mm-hmm. weren't all together before and puts them all together and builds a kind of a, a Ocean's 13 or Ocean's 11 style team. And I loved it. It totally <laughs> worked on me. And I watched every movie um, after that. And I went, I think, after Fast, after Furious 6, as it's um, technically titled, when you watch the title card, I went back and watched the first movie. It's like, okay, maybe maybe I'll see where, where it all started. Maybe it wasn't so bad. Uh, after all, no, it was, it was not good. It was <laughs> not good. And it had not held up. Uh, for me at all like this there's a lot of really bad cg and it was really obsessed with um zooming in on the the engines and how everything worked in Mm. the car and it was all clearly like cg that has not aged well don't forget about the shifting yeah 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 (laughs) yeah well and even like the whole nos thing um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just obsessed with racing and um, really get into the the things of the uh, how the car works. And I kind of expected it, it. It basically ended up being what I expected it to be. So not, i.e., not good. <laughs> uh, so I figured, okay, yeah, the reputation is that uh, uh, two through four isn't any better. So I really resisted going back and watching Too Fast, Too Furious, Tokyo Drift, and Fast and Furious, for that reason. Although I've heard Tokyo Drift, some people say it is better than the first movie, even. So maybe I might be worn down at some point to go back and watch that one. But I've, I kind of assumed it was the less relevant, because <laughs> then Fat Furious 6 came out. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was the less relevant one, because it was kind of like, well, Vin Diesel only has a cameo in it. Sure. And yeah. it's just kind of like the side thing. And, but it introduced and uh, killed Han um, in the movie, which ties back to Furious 6, which follows up with Furious 7. We learned that Fast 5 and Furious 6 
actually take place before Tokyo Drift. And right. Um, I'll I'll stop there because I feel like I'm starting to go all over the place. But that was basically <clears throat> my history with the franchise. And yeah, why don't uh, why don't you take it away with uh, your history with the Furious Fast and Furious franchise? Well, yeah, basically my beginnings with it are not all too different than yours, um, other than, you know, I didn't really plan on seeing the first film either, and at some point I had a group of friends, many of whom I hadn't seen in quite a while, just call me up and say, hey, we're going to, you know, the you know the drive-in and we're going to see a movie, and I'm like, okay, and I didn't even really ask what we're seeing, and we get there, and I believe, if I'm, my memory serves, it was uh, The Fast and Furious, and uh, the first Tomb Raider movie. Mm, so I got to great. watch those. Yeah. <laughs> Double feature. <laughs> I got to watch those back to back. And, um, you know, I, I didn't come away from watching that with too many thoughts. I, you know, it was okay. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like my movie standards were super high or anything, but I'm not really a car guy. But I noticed around, you know, the town where we live, suddenly everybody was putting spoilers on their cars. If they, you know, and that whole culture you talked yeah. about was starting to pop up. And, I'm not too big a fan of that either, you know. And then the second film came out, and I was like, really? And even people I knew who liked the first one are like, uh, they're making another one? Well, okay. <laughs> right. And then I didn't hear anything, and I hear that all of a sudden Tokyo Drift, and I'm like, boy, you know, and I just figured I'm never, you know, going to see those, uh, you know. if I don't know. I just wasn't terribly you interested. You didn't really care, yeah. Right, right. And then um, at some point, I must have been sometime in 2011, was in a movie, at a movie theater, and saw, you know, you know, the trailer for number five or fast five and was like, that's still a thing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then I saw, and I, and I saw the trailer and thought, well, that's, how did they get there? So I was intrigued enough to at least think that and kind of go, well, maybe someday I'll watch that maybe. Mm-hmm. And then of course six comes out and seven. And then I see the trailer for seven and I'm really like, how the heck did the, that series get there? Right. You know, so you, I think you and I had a conversation sometime around that point and, um, and we sat down and watched uh, five and six and um, we got to the end of six and I thought, man, my girlfriend has only seen the first one. She's got to see these. So I tell her and she's like a completionist. So, uh, you know, where you jumped off and said, I'm not going to go back and watch, you know, two, three, four, whatever. Uh, we just started over and made our way through the entire, you know, series so so you've uh, seen the whole series and i've just seen the first and five through eight now basically yeah. and i will note that when i went back and rewatched, uh we went one and two and then we didn't watch tokyo drift we went you know <laughs> four or five six. you did it in chronological and then, order and, not and then, order of release yeah and then okay. and, you know because i didn't want to like and it was really a you know should I do it that way? I think I should. I'm looking it up on the internet. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think that's what we should do because I didn't want to spoil it too much for my sure, girlfriend. Yeah. And, you know, so that's that's how we did it. And I, I think that's the way to go, personally. I'm just going to put that out there. But uh, So you think uh, one sh- if one were to watch the entire series, yeah. they should watch one, two, four, five, Tokyo Drift, yes. six, seven, eight. Oh, no, no. It's... Between six and seven is, is when you watch Tokyo Drift. Okay. Yeah. Even even with the tag at the end of six, which is the end of Tokyo Drift. Yeah, and that's what I was worried about, but it, okay. it makes enough sense and goes together okay. I think if I think okay. most of the unit, internet would agree. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really weird because yeah. no matter where you put it, in a way, Tokyo Drift is this parenthetical thing, right? Because five leads into six, mm-hmm. six leads into seven, mm-hmm. right? Um, and seven just kind of ends this chapter essentially that um, that those three well four through seven basically create yeah. right um, and so it's it's really hard, it's really odd. 
to, to plug that in because either you have this gap between the, the chronology of five and six or you have this spoiler of what happens in Tokyo Drift and uh, still a gap between six and seven. Sure. And you can also argue like, hey, look at how long, you know, how many years have gone by in real life uh, since they made, you know, Tokyo Drift and then they made the others. But I think, you know what, there's a lot of things about this series that you just kind of go with. And, <laughs> yeah, we'll and, get uh, into that, that's for sure. We'll get into that later, yeah. but I think, you know, that's that's just one of them, and, and, it, and it works out okay. So for myself, even though I haven't seen uh, 2, 3, 4, I would rank up until before seeing uh, Fate of the Furious. Mm. I would basically rank from best to worst Probably something like Fast Five with a close second being Furious Six, Furious Seven, and then Fast and Furious, the Fast and the Furious, the first (laughs) one, the original one, on the bottom. How would you rank, having seen the entire uh, franchise, up until having seen Fates, how would you rank the first seven? So you're saying you're going with uh, Five being your, your favorite, best one? Five, it's it's five, it's a toss. Six, it depends on the close, day. Seven and, yeah, then, and yeah. then you go number one. Yeah, it's and really that's before we get to eight. So I really uh, yeah, it's a toss know. up. It depends on the day because I really love the villain of uh, Fast Five more than the villain in Furious Six. Okay, but I love some of the stunts that happen in um, Furious Six more than the stunts that happen in Fast Five. You know. Okay. So it, it, it you know they're really close for me. Yeah, you know, on, if I'm being honest, it's hard to decide five, six, seven, where do I lie in there? I start remembering key moments, and I mean, we're, you know, obviously spoilers here, I guess, but there's just things about uh, certain ones that stand out to me, and it's hard to make that choice. I think five and six are real close. Obviously, there's the whole emotional impact of number seven mm-hmm. with, yeah, you know, yeah. with, with Paul Walker you right. know, passing away. The whole bit at the end being tacked on kind of is a lot more emotional content than maybe the other two films. And so in some yeah. ways, like I do like that one. It kind of brings a lot of things together. There's yeah. a lot of the montage heavy kind of like here's everywhere we've ever been kind of vibe to it. Yeah. For so, those who haven't seen it, they do yeah. a tribute to the actor Paul Walker by showing a lot of moments from the entire franchise. Right. So, but I, I guess I think I'm leaning towards like number six being the one that I enjoy mm-hmm. the most. Five and seven aren't too far behind, but and then how would you rank then, the others? Uh, oh boy, <laughs> can I at least just throw out like you know number two is is uh, it's oh boy, man <laughs> I don't think I okay let's say it this way if I was gonna rewatch the films again I don't think I'd watch that one I would omit mm. that and I'm, that's not like me but I'm just it's that ooh, bad it's, it's pretty painful particularly when you look at things like you know Paul Walker is fairly they make him appear as though he's fairly adept at uh, hand-to-hand combat as the films go on mm. but in that one he has this real kind of funny slappy fight in the, in the beginning <laughs> and I'm like what is even going on and who someone needs to step in and you know can, can I can I yell like cut referee. can we just reshoot that please because that's just you know so there's there's just some things about that one and that that in particular but uh, as far as your comments about, about Tokyo Drift, you know, I don't say, say that it's like better to me than the first one, mm-hmm. but it was better than I expected. And I, you know, I like the character of Han a lot. And of course, we get to see him there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it was enjoyable. Four really kind of sets up everything I think that you like later on in five, six, seven, like you were expressing. Um, it's maybe a little bit almost kind of bare bones, but it's set in that template, I think. I think really that's 
the the beginning of of the re, you know, of the changing you know mm. to what it became later on. So I don't know that I like recommend it to you necessarily based on what we've talked about so far. Yeah. But I'd say hey, that's maybe for me where you know that 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 change started to occur. So so four would be kind of in the middle, and then followed by <laughs> three and one. Um, as sure. uh, kind of a tied with uh, number two being distant on the bottom of yeah. the list. And I will say, like, I, you know, at the outset here, uh, talking about the first film, um, I was like, well, I'm not really a big car guy. I'm not really into I got some investment in the series now, watching all of it and, and yeah. enjoying it, getting in some enjoyment to where I can go back to the first one and, you know, get some enjoyment out of that as well. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I thought um, that's a really great way to transition. I thought it'd be a good idea for us to talk a little bit uh, about some general thoughts that we have about the franchise having come this far in it. First of all, I was looking, you know, thinking about the the franchise with action, the action genre franchise area. Usually, these movies are either uh, these franchises are either sci-fi franchises, superhero franchises, spy, uh, cop, or martial arts franchises, right? Sure. But very few uh, franchises compare to the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, I would say that it's closest to maybe the cop cop franchise, especially since how it starts is really almost like a point blank point break template. Absolutely, you know? yeah. And they keep referring to how Paul Walker's character either is a cop or was a cop at one point in yeah. time. But the ones, the franchises who do kind of compare to the Fast and Furious, they certainly don't have the longevity that this series has. I mean, it's uh, eight films now. Yeah. And the only, um, <laughs> the closest movies I could find or think of that compare to this franchise's uh, Bad Boys and The Expendables, just in in terms of bombast and uh, style of action, you yeah. know? Ex- these are big and explosive with big guys with big muscles, with big attitudes taking on something, right? There, there seems to be, too, also the element of, like, the whole, like you alluded to earlier, the Ocean's Eleven thing where you're getting the team of, of people together. So for some people, these films kind of conjure up you know, you know, feelings, thoughts about those movies and go, yeah. are they trying to do that here? Like an Ocean's Eleven thing? Yeah. Or are they trying to do like, you know, like you're saying, uh, it's like bad boys kind of feel or, you know. Yeah. Well, and I feel like Fast Five, it definitely had, it was a, it was more of a heist film slash action film. So um, it had the, the dose of the Ocean's Eleven heist type movie right. or Inception yeah. type movie, but uh, just minus the sci-fi elements of, of uh, Inception, right? So... The thing is, I feel like the the Bad Boys franchise and the Expendables both only have like I think two or three movies each. By the way, they compare unfavorably to the Fast and Furious franchise uh, qualitatively. Either Bad Boys just hasn't held up very well uh, mm-hmm. to various degrees, or the Expendables just from the start have always been a very heavily flawed overly ridiculous like uh, franchise where you have a hard time even in context of the movie buying into what's happening right. in the movie right especially like for example it's a team called the expendables and no one is expendable <laughs> you know so it's hard to like feel stakes right sure it kind of leads me to argue 
that or come to the conclusion that I feel like the Fast and the Furious franchise is the best non-superhero action franchise of the decade. You know, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. First of all, you have a seri- a set of characters, especially when you're looking at from uh, Fast Five on, right? Yeah. If you were to completely just pretend that the first four films don't even exist, mm-hmm. from Fast Five on, you have a set of characters that have a great amount of uh, camaraderie, a great amount of chemistry, and just watching those three or four movies alone, you end up caring about those characters. You enjoy their their banter. You enjoy the ridiculous things they say in an action scene, whatever it is, right? Point is, you care about these characters, which makes sense because the core of the series at that point starts to become about family. It can't be about family if there's no connection to the characters, right? Right, right. Um, second of all, the choreography has a sense of geography and clarity. I've seen, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of action movies where either the camera's moving on um, really quickly or really cut really fast, you know? Right, where right. you can't really tell what the hell they just did to that bad guy. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, and a lot of it is the camera is up, up close in those those cases too. Sure. Or things will be happening and you have no idea where is that guy in relation to that guy. Uh, the Transformers series is really bad at this uh it's just it feels like really nonsensical about what's going on so it has a hard time you have a hard time caring about just kind of a, ma- a mashup of like movement and colors on the yeah yeah and it's yeah. like basically a bunch of noise right yeah. visual noise yeah. you know and that's completely the opposite i feel like with the fast and furious franchise particularly from the the this decade's era right you know like all the stunts are um, all the uh, choreography is very clearly uh, mapped out. You know where this car is and, or this vehicle is in relation to this vehicle. And so, therefore, tension is successfully built up mm-hmm. in every scene, right? Also, speaking of the stunts, like, even the ones that are completely ridiculous, you buy into them in the context of the movie. The, the franchise never, never goes so far as to ask you to to buy something that you can't already buy based on everything else that happened in that movie. Right, and they do a really good job of tying those things together from movie to movie because they use, like, Tyrese's character as mm-hmm. someone that's like, oh, we did this, and now we're going to go do this, now we're going to go do that. You know, it's kind of like yes. saying, hey, we know, we're self-aware filmmakers, whoever is directing or writing them, we know that we have done these things, and you know it too. Totally. And so there's kind of, like, this benchmark of, like, yeah, you're going to see stuff like this, and we may even have to exceed it. It's there. We know what it is. And so when by doing that, though, they also are, are taking the time, like you said, to show. It's like, we know this is crazy. Well, here it is. This is what it, we're going to show this car going from one building, building through to the, to the other building to the other building or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 uh, you, and you do kind of, like, suspend your, you know, disbelief enough, yeah. you know, in, 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 to, to, to enjoy it. I guess your mileage may may vary, sure, uh, depending right. on the person. <laughs> but on the whole, like it totally works uh, for me based on what's already selling me in that movie, right? Yeah. And I, I have been in movies where I just completely check out, like, okay, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and it doesn't. It do, that's not necessarily the case here. Most importantly, also, this is the most di- uh, racially diverse franchise, action franchise uh, that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And 
there was nothing. Nobody was making a big deal out of that until probably after the uh, Furious 7 came out. Mm. It was kind of like quietly... It, I don't know. It, it was, uh, I guess, subversive in the way because no one. It wasn't a, made a big deal. Like, oh, hey, you're Asian, and or hey, you're um, Latina, or whatever. It just is. Like, yeah. they these are characters who happen to be all these different races, and so it's organic. It doesn't feel like a studio making sure there's a particular person of a particular race so that way the box office is really awesome in this other mm. country or what have you it, it's just really organically ethnically diverse and i really feel that's amazing because this is also the most one of the most financially successful action franchises ever ever since number four fast mm-hmm. and furious uh, every single film has opened at over $70 million and has exceeded $150 million uh, domestic by the time it's finished. It topped out at number 7, Furious 7, with $147 million in opening and ending with $350 million total domestic, which is amazing. It's also among the top 10 franchises in box office grosses and second only to the James Bond franchise, if you're talking about non-superhero or sci-fi fantasy franchises, hmm. it is second only to James Bond at $4.8 billion worldwide and climbing, which is really hard to beat. So all of that combined, I, I really feel like, as ridiculous as it may sound, I really feel like it is one of, if not the greatest action franchise of the decade. Well, you know, you bring up some interesting points, too. As you were talking there, I started thinking, um, I don't want to muddy the waters too much, but bringing up uh, superhero films by comparison and or James Bond, uh, for some people, um, these films are starting to take on kind of a feel of some of those in that in the Fast and Furious series. A lot of the characters have, you know, certain skills mm-hmm. that, you know, or their powers, if you, <laughs> if you will, um, that they excel at. And then also with all the gadgets and the cars and all the things, electronics, technology, you know, tracking devices, all the different ways of doing that, it's becoming a little bit like James Bond as well. Well, and that's actually and, the direction uh, Fate of the Furious is yeah. supposed to launch it off to, and we'll mm-hmm. get get to that in a second. Sure, but. sure. I just wonder um, also, too, like what your thoughts are as far as bringing up uh, superhero movies. It's almost to the extent, as soon as to me, like, you know, uh, The Rock shows up, Dwayne Johnson shows up, You've got almost a, a superhero, you know, kind of character, and then of course, everyone else sort of kind of rises to that. It seems like to me, and maybe that's a whole other thing. But <laughs> I think maybe it starts to go in that direction with Furious Seven, even though they take him and put him on the bench for most of that movie. Yeah, you know, that's a movie where his arm is broken and he breaks out of the cast by flexing his muscles, right? So I guess, like, you know, for me, I don't see any, like, A-B comparison in Fast Five, right? On that level of um, superheroism or ridiculous. Mm. On, t- on top of it, like, that character straight up shoots um, point-blank range a defenseless villain, you know? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I get that. So I feel like as the movies have gone in a certain direction you see a little bit more of what you're talking about mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Uh, Vin Diesel or other characters kind of start to end up like a superhero but 
you know, there are actual superhero franchises like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and such that have outgrossed Fast and Furious. And if you mm-hmm. take it into its own category, mm-hmm. or at least separate from the fantasy and sci-fi and the superhero genres, um, like it's it's not going to compare to Star Wars, you know. But it is second only to James Bond, which is a much longer running uh, series. Right. Uh, so it's had a lot more grosses to to add up, and I think that's really that's really saying something. So, do you have any other thoughts that you'd like to say about the franchise before we jump into our review of Fate of the Furious? No, I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I guess I'll just say, you know, it's just funny, uh, the evolution of my own thought about the, the series uh, and getting to a point where I'm like, wow, I'm kind of a fan of these, or I kind of like Vin Diesel. Yeah. I never saw that coming. What, what happened? <laughs> right. They, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> they got me, so... <laughs> totally, totally. I'm right there with you. Absolutely. All right, so with that, let's move on to our review of Fate of the Furious. They're still on us. These guys are taking this parcel. You were only supposed to create a diversion, Roman. That was complete destruction. What you want from me? I'm Roman Pierce, man. That's what I do. Phase two. Phase two? What's phase two? Bounce away. Holy s***. You know what I like about you, Dom? You're a genuine outlaw. But you're a family. The hell of a job, brother. When we get back to the base, beer's on me. He's about to go up against the only thing they can't handle. You. definition of high-tech terrorism now she's working with your guy that was from the trailer of fate of the furious now this is our the movie lovers first ever feature review so what i'd like to do with every review i think it's a good idea to always focus on the good what did we like about a movie first and then move on to our thoughts about what we didn't like about a movie what was the bad before getting a little bit broader in general discussion and then opening up into spoilers for the movie in case there was things about the movie that we really needed to discuss but were would spoil uh, the movie so we'll give spoiler warnings when we get uh, to that point now Alan been really looking forward to the, uh, seeing and discussing this movie with you. We've had some scheduling conflicts that uh, both delayed the, the viewing of the movie because this uh, opened up two weeks ago at recording time and uh, some delay in, in our recording time as well. But first, let's uh, get to your thoughts. What did you think was good about the fate of the Furious? I think that the overwhelming feeling that I get is that, you know, people are having fun. It's a fun film. It's a fun series. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of good points um, about the movie. But to be honest, a lot of them are kind of in spoiler territory. So I'm going to hold off on bringing up some of those things till later on. 
Um, but I will say that I liked the, the opening of the film. They've got the street race thing going on there. It's kind of a component that's been downplayed a little bit. I mean, it's called the Fast and Furious after all. So it's kind of cool to see that brought back a little bit just to see the street race through uh, Havana, Cuba. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get to see the interaction. Uh, you'll see in the trailer between you know, The Rock and, and Jason Statham or Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham fighting in the, in the prison break scene. Was was highly enjoyable and one of my yeah. favorite parts of the movie. That was that uh, was pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, yeah, pretty much. I think it's I'm gonna hold off right there because everything else is, is is for a little bit later on. All right, sounds like you have a lot of, a lot of spoilery talk, which is great. Uh, we're gonna definitely get into some things there. Uh, for me, you know, this is an interesting movie because every time. The movie lost me, and I'll talk about in a little while what what lost me. It pulled me back in for every so for every good thing that it had it, it had in it, it had a bad. Uh, so focusing on the good things, carpoons, man, carpoons. <laughs> that that was awesome. There was a sequence <laughs> where harpoons are used uh, are attached to the cars. Mm-hmm. And it, that was pretty freaking cool. We hadn't seen that before. And so uh, I liked I liked that sort of stunt. A lot of the action stunts, actually, the stunts themselves were pretty cool. Uh, I'll, I'll get into the other side of that a little bit later. But I really got into uh, the stunts themselves. And the Carpoons is definitely one of them. Jason Statham... Jason Statham is is awesome in this movie. There's there's, there's a couple problems I have with him that I'll talk about, but there is a sequence that happens later in the movie that is just him having, clearly having so much fun. Right. You know, and it is is really well, I feel like it's really well shot um, action sequence. But it also is, is funny. You see a lighter side to Jason Statham um, in it that, uh, of course, you haven't seen before because he, he was a bad guy in, in the previous movie. You yeah. Know? So, but he was definitely a highlight in the movie for me. And, of course, his, uh, st- his action choreography is always a lot of fun to watch. You know, I think a lot of people have been really uh, uh, bashing Charlize Theron in this movie. Hmm. But I actually feel like she's one of the more interesting villains we've seen in the past several uh, movies in the franchise. Uh, she has an iciness that is really intimidating and threatening. Yeah. That I really bought into. And there's there's an element to her, her plan that we'll talk about later. But it really helps sell this, uh, this cold detached element of this character and and she of course she's a fantastic she's proven herself numerous times as an actress Mm -hmm. but it's really cool to see her in in an action franchise which you don't really get to see very often and she's clearly having fun but she's playing a really formidable villain you know much more formidable than i i feel like they've had in a while um yeah, even though I don't know all of her, you know, motivations for for what she's doing, mm-hmm. um, that it kind of fills in the blanks, and you know that that she's in the background of the other things that happened in the previous couple of films. Yeah, you're not, you don't know that until this film. But I'm right there with you in that I really felt like, man, you know, she's kind of got a menace to her, and yes, and, and mm-hmm. um, 
and also I start thinking like, wow, to have all this set up in a way to, to set the situation up the way that she has, you know, the intelligence, the mm-hmm. plan, everything is there, and you're just like, wow. Versus like, you know, maybe other film series like James Bond, you're like, how is this guy even pulling all this right, off? Because yeah. he just doesn't seem have to have it together at resources. all. Right, right. Yeah. So this person seems to have, you know, everything kind of worked out to, to the, for the most part. Right, and she and, clearly has a team there without having like an endless series of thugs per se. Uh, everything that she does makes more sense than other villains that we've seen in other action uh, franchises. And I feel like she's more memorable than some of the villains we've seen in this franchise uh, mm. too. Yeah. So I really dug her. And of course I really dug uh, Dwayne Johnson in the movie. He does, in the beginning of the movie, you cut to him as um, as a soccer coach. Of course, mm. further underscoring the concept of family yeah. in the series, right? But he's, uh, he's coaching his daughter's soccer team. And, man, this is like, I don't know if they knew that this was going to come out after Moana or what, but he's really showing off his, uh, and really embracing his Maori roots. Yeah. Because he does this really awesome, he teaches the kids, essentially, before the game to do this really crazy Maori chant that's, uh, of course, like, historically they would do before a battle to intimidate the other side, you know? And it's not only, like, kind of hilarious, but it's also really awesome because he does the crazy ton out, oh, crazy eyes thing right. and has the kids do it. And I just, I thought, oh, he was enjoyable. He's always enjoyable in these movies too. He's, and he gets to have a lot more fun than I feel like he got to in the previous movie. Definitely, yeah. It's a fun moment and um, I think that's good with his, as much seriousness as, you know, well, there's some elements later we'll talk about that, that you know, there's some serious elements to the film and it's kind of has a nice little moment in it you know where where you can laugh and it's a little bit lighter yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but of course his his action scenes are are great and and i i guess the prison sequence was one of the things i was referring to too where the stunts were um really awesome uh that was a really cool fight sequence because dwayne johnson was trying to get at jason statham and they're fighting through people to get at each other right yeah. and just how that how, how that goes about first of all like i said before um in the earlier discussion you can see where they are in relation to each other you know and and uh all that is really well choreographed and mapped out and how that ends with the whole sliding through the door thing that was just really cool too so that's that's some of the the things i liked about this movie that I thought was good. Alan, what are some of the things that you thought could have been a lot better? Uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. I think, I don't know how to describe it. So there's, there's basically, I guess what they're referring to now is like the zombie car sequence when mm-hmm. a lot of the cars get taken over uh, electronically and cause a traffic jam and cause problems for our heroes getting through the city and everything. Right. And cause cause massive amounts of destruction. Yeah, you uh, see that in the trailer, all these yeah, cars coming out of windows. At first I'm like, oh, okay, wow, this is pretty pretty cool. And then I just kind of feel like it's a little bit overly long, a little bit overly done. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of pulled me out a little bit and I'm like, okay, when when you know, come on. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. that's a really good example where I felt like the concepts in this movie feel more batshit than usual. You know, oh, I was talking about earlier how usually this franchise doesn't ask you to extend your belief too far um, yeah. beyond what's already 
established. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like that zombie car sequence is an example of how this movie really starts to go into the cartoony realm. It really felt like someone took their Hot Wheels and and just kind of like <laughs> dumped, dumped them on the ground, you know? That's exactly what I was thinking about when we were watching it is the, you know, those the fold-up kind of town that you had with the yeah. gas station and all that? <laughs> so like they just kind of inceptioned that and closed it <laughs> and everything was falling out and falling yeah. off the buildings onto everybody. And I was like, okay, yeah. So I, I, know, I agree with you there. I also kind of felt like I'm not quite sure how they're using Scott Eastwood. Um, I mean, there was a couple of laughs here and there with his character kind of being the really, really green, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't even know what operative, I don't even know what to call their position. He's what some they're sort doing. of an yeah, agent. agent. He's yeah. um, being trained by Kurt yeah. Russell in the movie who was introduced, I think, last in the previous movie. Yeah. Yeah. So they bring back the Kurt Russell character and he's sure. got this underling. And so that's what kind of makes me think is like, okay, this guy's here. It's kind of fun to poke at that a little bit. And he has some missteps and, you know, it irritates, you know, a couple of the characters. And that's that's all fine and good. But then at the same time, I'm thinking like, you've got Kurt Russell there. Just, I know he was in the last film. Let's just expand on that. For me personally, I would like to have seen even more uh, of that. And so I don't know like what their intentions are. Uh, We talked a little bit off mic about that, about like, well, are they trying to replace you know, Paul Walker in a way and have this person be another member of the team now or later or whenever or... I hope um, not. I feel like he would be the least interesting person on the entire team. I kind of agree. There's just not, you know... Like I said, I got a good little chuckle out of a couple of things. But I just don't know... (laughs) It's funny to think, well, wait a minute, he's not charismatic enough. Well, Paul Walker... uh, Well, there's just (laughs) something that doesn't quite work for me. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he doesn't ever rise above being more than a punching bag in the movie. The movie is often self-aware, mm-hmm. and in this case, it is very um, aware of this new character kind of being a stick in the mud, and they mm-hmm. directly like you know make fun of him and and, and tease him uh, a lot because of it. But he never gets more interesting beyond that. So. I'm kind of with you. I wouldn't necessarily be interested in seeing that character in another movie. And I'm yeah. worried that that might be the case. Right. I mean, typically, a character like that, you know, they do all the same things we just described. But then at some point, he kind of, like, exhibits his specialty or skill right. or whatever it is. It's like, and they go, oh, okay, we're on board. Yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm just misremembering, but I don't really think there's a, a moment where it's like, okay. Like, he does, like, join the ranks. We're all driving cars. We're going through the city. Yeah. And, you know. But there's never that moment of like, oh, okay, this guy, you know. Well, he's the guy that fucks up in that in the carpoon scene. Uh, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. Know, I that's early on in the down. movie. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I think there is something toward the end of the movie. I won't get specific, but I think he does play a factor. But it's never like a payoff where he wins you over. Mm-hmm. It just, yeah, I, I'm with you. He doesn't necessarily uh, click uh, as well, too. Uh, what else uh, did you have um, issues with? Oh, well, I think that's the end of my list. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'll, again, I, I'm, there's some things that I want to bring up, but I don't want to you know, do too many spoilers yet. Okay. And so maybe I'll uh, come up with some more here in a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. For myself, so here's, here's the thing. As I mentioned before, for every good thing, there's a bad side to it. I praised Charlize Theron for being really icy and quite formidable. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand... Maybe we can't answer this question until we get into spoilers, but I feel I couldn't help but ask, what exactly was her plan? 
You know, um, it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make sense when you really think about what what the plan is and and map it out. You know, it it, it becomes sort of James Bondy villainy, destroy the world kind of thing, and you kind of like well. Then what? And then what? What's what are you gonna do? What next? do you <laughs> what are you gonna benefit from? You know, so I feel like that wasn't very well scripted out or planned out. This is okay. So yes, I had an issue with zombie cars. While I said like the, the stunts were were awesome, the concept of zombie cars was really hard for me to buy in. And I was it was one of the things I saw in the trailer that really worried me. There's a lot of things I saw in the trailer that worried me. It made me really wonder, are they going to die another day, this franchise? <laughs> um, but the zombie cars was definitely one of those things. Like, I'm not even sure that's actually possible, you know, in the first place. And it, it felt kind of ridiculous, um, like you said. But in addition, the other thing that's also in the trailer that gave me that worry was cars on ice <laughs> right cars on ice you get one car out of all these cars that has issues driving on ice like i'm not a genius but i'm pretty sure all of those cars would be skidding all over the fucking place on the ice there and as usual a character chimes in and is like i hope you brought your you know snow tires or whatever right at some point as a way of like hey all right you know but yeah it's certainly not i mean i was looking at the cars thinking <laughs> no that looks no no i don't know how they're doing that yeah 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 <laughs> and that was the one of the first times that in zombie cars was one of the first times in the entire franchise where i actually checked out and i was like no we've actually gone too far <clears throat> You got me with um, cars blowing through skyscrapers. You got me through a mile or two long runway with an airplane. But this was a little too cartoonish and ridiculous. And I feel like that's kind of one of the things about this movie is it really finally does actually go in that direction to its detriment. Where it actually does go over the top. It doesn't quite reach Die Another Day level to me. It, but I feel like it's a few steps shy of that. And these these stunts are part of that problem. I love Jason Statham in this movie. But I couldn't help thinking the entire time, he killed Han! He killed Han! Right. How and, can we just like yeah. forget he killed Han? Like, you know, he killed a family member. And we're just going to be like, mm, you know? Like, they don't, they don't even come back back to that really like yeah that is definitely i mean it's like if they had brought him back in this capacity two films later or something then but it's like the the next film so yeah that is a little yeah and at first they're a little abrasive like oh no no him but he does like win them over as part of the team like he is clearly a part of the team now right and it doesn't feel true to everything else we've seen so far in the franchise that that a villain who's like his uh, he had a vendetta to kill the team one by one you know he tried blowing up dom and his his pregnant uh sister right or maybe she actually had the baby she had the baby and paul walker this guy tried to blow them all up and the house and, he blew the house up yeah right. and we're gonna forget all that <laughs> right. i really like the movie never won me over in thinking yeah we're gonna like totally forget about that thing it, it, it just didn't make sense to me so that was a, a big problem as much as i enjoyed statham in the movie 
Um, also, I found the movie more predictable than usual. There is a character who gets killed that is a part of a, a greater equation that I knew once that character was revealed, mm. that was going to have to be the thing that happens. Yeah. There's, there's something else that's a part of that that we'll have to get into in, in spoilers. But uh, I, I thought basically everything around what happens in that room, mm-hmm. I found a little bit more predictable. Like I could actually see where the movie was going ultimately. And mm. I hadn't really experienced that um, before in, in the past few films. Um, so ultimately, like I feel like this movie, it takes a huge step back in the franchise uh, for me. Like before I was ranking the movies, you mm-hmm. know, that I had seen, and I would put this out of the movies I've seen, I would put this just above the, the original film. Okay. And below five, six, seven. Oh, okay. Cause it's, it does go into the ridiculous cartoony area. And there's a lot more that I had a hard time buying into than uh, in the past. So uh, yeah. Did you have any thoughts about, uh, about those things? Uh, yeah, to be honest, it is real difficult to kind of rank the films. Usually I come off the excitement of watching and going, that one is a little better than the other one. But I do agree with you like the, the, with Fate of the Furious that that it's not quite, you know, there is with, with, you know, seven and six from going backwards. But I'm not quite sure on my placement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about it. But, uh, but did you have any other general thoughts you'd like to share before we get into spoilers about the movie? For anybody who might want to turn it off before we get into spoilers? No, I think I'm ready. All right. Well, I would just uh, wrap up this portion by saying if you're a fan of the franchise, there's a good chance you're going to enjoy it. But it just doesn't quite, you know, go in with measured expectations. It doesn't quite live up to what you've seen recently and and what the the franchise uh, has the potential to be. It does. It is going to have two more movies. This is supposedly the first of a new trilogy where it is going in a new direction, which is supposed to be a more spy movie direction. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But that will end the franchise at um, whatever Fast and the Furious Ten mm. uh, will be. So Fate of the Furious is uh, in theaters now and doing very well. So you shouldn't have any um, problems catching it. Let's move on now into spoilers and final thoughts. If you haven't seen the movie, you don't want to be spoiled. You should pause now. All right, Alan, you had a lot to say that involves spoilers. Go for it. Well, just to go back to like, you know, or having watched this series, a lot of it together, um, finishing up, you know, with, with Fast and Furious 7, right away you're like, hey, have you seen the trailer for number eight? You know, and I'm like, oh no, put it on. And, you know, just coming off the emotional, you know, experience that seven is with Paul Walker, obviously, you know, passing away. And their whole montage and everything at the, at the end for him and the tribute to him. And that reinforcement of the whole family dynamic and the thing, mm-hmm. you know, with family, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then right away to fire up the trailer and be like, everything you know is reversed. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, are you kidding me? Like, how, how is this even possible? And, and, of course, you saw some things you said in the trailer, too, that were like, what what what, what are they doing to the series? Oh, no, is this going to be okay? Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, have any, in any particular order or some of the thoughts, but... You know, just we kind of alluded to here's Jason Statham's character, 
you know, coming right off the movie where he's the bad guy, mm-hmm. and then you know switch. You know, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, and even though that's kind of a weird transition, you know, there's there's things about that. I don't know if we want to, like, get into, I'm a little bit off here, but the motivations for Dom and why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's is, do that. Is, but is first, kind of, really quickly, it, yeah. uh, about Jason Statham, the other thing that occurred to me, you know, you're talking about coming right off of Furious 7. Hmm. How the hell did he not die, by the way? Like, he got, like, it, like the... Garage collapsed around him at the end of Furious 7. Mm-hmm. For one thing, it's a leap to accept that he practically wasn't even injured. I think he ends, uh, the Furious 7 ends with him being jailed. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. I, I, even then I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, How did he yeah. not die from that? He had fucking yeah. like rubble fall on him. And, and you, you know, know, that's kind of a trademark of the series. There's always a couple of things where we're like, well... Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. But yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. Did you want to talk uh, st- before we move on to Dom's? Oh God, I guess we can't. We have to do the Dom's motivation before we talk about the Statham scene, don't we? We do. End. All right. We so do. go ahead. And tell your thoughts on the Dom's motivation. Well, I you know after we watch that trailer, I'm just racking my brain thinking like, hey, everybody that's in the family that could be there is there. So what's going on? And then you know, it turns out. Uh, what's the character's name again? I can't remember. Oh, uh, yeah, Elena. Right, Elena, yeah. Elena. Um, that, you know, she's had a child and it's yeah. Dom's, Dom's baby. So I, I'm thinking in the theater, we're watching that, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that's that'd do it. That'd probably be the thing yeah. that'd make him switch over, you know. It took um, me a second to even remember that they had a relationship, actually. Right, right. I don't know. I remember it, but yeah. I just think it just kind of sets up this, this tone over the film for me. You know that I kind of alluded to earlier that it is a lot darker than a lot of the other uh, hmm. films because the implications of it are like the family thing has just been such a big component of pretty much yeah the films <laughs> the whole series and and every movie seems to kind of reinforce that more and more and more and the next thing you know it's you know he's turning his back going to do something else what's the motivation it is indeed family you know I guess I really felt the realness of like you know. Hey, you don't do this, you know. And of course, like you said, they use Elena's character and, and yeah, her out and <laughs> yeah, yeah. They kill Elena, gun gunpoint to the head, which which I is what I was referring to earlier when I said that there was an element that was predictable. I was thinking ahead, and you know, knowing the movie's all about family, and there's actually a foreshadowing where Letty and Dom near the beginning of the movie That's right. are talking yeah. about being parents. Mm. Well, as soon as Charlize Theron introduces in this glass cage, so to speak, on the, um, I think it's an airplane, there that a former love had a baby that is Dom's. I was like, oh, okay, so she's going to get killed because she's barely even factored in at all. And yeah. that's how they're going to be parents. So I thought that was like, and, and that's, that is exactly what happened. So when yeah. she died, there was a lot of like dramatic tension in that scene because they're like, are they, they're trying to play it as though you don't know if the baby's going to die or Elena's going to die. Right, but you kind of know. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, they're not going to kill the baby and leave Elena alive. <laughs> so I, I that that was a, a, probably one of the most predictable moments in the entire franchise. But I wanted to come back to what you had said about it being a darker chapter in the franchise. I want to ask you, do you feel like it was darker than Furious 6 when Han gets killed? Um, that well, I do, because I feel like that that happening was more of like a moment in the film, whereas 
This, well, I guess it's Furious 7, they come back so, to it, but yeah. Yeah, but this film just seems to kind of have, uh, with the exception of in the beginning, we're talking about, you know, Dwayne Johnson out there, uh, and, he's, and he's coaching soccer and all that yeah. stuff. The rest of the film, after that point on, seems to have this underlying, you know, dark tone to me um, that just kind of hangs there, hmm. you know. And there's some fairly obvious things they do. If you notice in the previous films, uh, Dom's usually walking around with his, I call them the white fun jeans and his white wife beater. You know, wife beater. Yeah. But, you know, he's wearing all black when he's doing the bad stuff. And did you notice that? No, that's interesting. <laughs> They're like, oh, he's the bad guy now. And so that's probably part of my, like, perceiving it as being darker. Right. But, right. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. And I bought it a whole family vibe. So, yeah, to see, yeah. So, yeah, I just think that that's, you know, the feel is, is different there than in the other films that are a little bit lighter, even though there's some serious moments in them. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Jason Statham. Now that now we've got Dom's motivation out of the way. J- okay, so first of all, we think Jason Statham is shot dead. As far as we can tell, that is actually what happens. Um, yeah. Shot dead by Dom. Yeah. First of all, I wouldn't have been bothered if that had happened. Maybe because I thought, he killed Han! You know? Right, and see, and he hasn't been around to see any of the other things that, you know, the other characters have seen that might imply that maybe he's, you know, I don't know, a good guy, I guess. Right, <laughs> right. Right, because right? they had showed his, con- you know, uh, his, his award, or I don't know what you call it, his resume. Or resume. Or so, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like, oh, so he used to kind of do the right thing, right? So we're supposed to... You know, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, Dom hasn't seen any of that, so he blows him away. It's like, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's yeah, believable totally. because, yeah. hey, he took out members of his family, took out Absolutely. his house, took out, you know. And, okay, that's... But it turns on. out, for whatever reason, Dom had actually concocted some sort of scheme to fake uh, Jason Statham's death and uh, with, uh, via his mom, played by Helen Mirren. Right. And uh, we get this kind of... What's supposed to be kind of an awesome moment where... He and his brother, played by Luke Evans, arrive on on the on the bad guy's plane. Right? They yeah. like jetpack on to the, <laughs> to the plane. Which and now that I say jetpack on, uh, I realize how ridiculous that that moment was. But, <laughs> and there's this. Um, they are basically there to secure the baby and save the baby, right, right from danger, yep. right? And I think Charlize Theron's there too, and they're supposed to take her out. Am I wrong? Do you know that part's a little unclear to me? <laughs> if there's any part that I'm like, oh, tracking, you know, yeah, that happened while I was watching it. Going, is she there? Is she there? Is she there? Is she somewhere else? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's supposed to be revealed. I think she's on the same location. And, yeah. Uh, so there's this action scene that we both had a great time with, where Statham is. He's got the baby. The baby's in one of those car seat type things. Right. The carrier, baby carrier. Yeah, baby carrier. And he's like killing all these bad guys on the plane while like protecting the baby. Yeah. And the baby's got like headphones. He puts headphones Headphones on on to protect the hearing and he's taking guys out. Yeah. And I I remember thinking like, but I'm still thinking about he was the bad guy. And that started happening and he's he's going through like, okay, now I'm going to sit over here. (laughs) And you take a couple guys out. Whip around, grab the baby again. Yeah, it's like, how are you on, doing? On his way. And, um, oh, you, you shouldn't know, see this. I don't know. I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I know, I know. It's hard not to forgive that scene. Like, just go go with it. You yeah. Because it's just so much fun. And then after it's done, you're like, yeah, but. <laughs> right. You know. And then what do you think about what happened with uh, the villain, Charlize Theron's character? Yeah, I don't know. I felt like that could have had a more satisfying ending. Like mm-hmm. A more, like, definitive yeah. ending 
you know, and, and this, you know, maybe a little too early to talk about it, but it just leads me into like, what's, what are the next films going to do? Where are they going to go? What's going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to be in this practice of like, okay, someone's the bad guy or girl or whoever, and then we'll just bring them, make them part of the team in the next one. Is that going to yeah. be like in a continuing thing? I'm worried about that you too. Know, um, or not. So I don't, I don't know. It would certainly be more satisfying, I think, if like you extinguish one foe and then someone else comes up or whatever, you know. Right, yeah. It's inevitable that somebody would, of course, but it, but the movie, does, the movies, the series or the franchise does have a habit of not sticking to whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people argue that Dwayne Johnson was kind of a an antagonist. He's not really a, he's not a villain. He's a guy doing his job, but he's an antagonist in Fast Five, going after the good guys, the, the team, and then he ends up like recruiting the team and joining the team, sure. so to speak, being a part of the team, yeah, being, a part yeah. of, being a part of the family. And then next you have Statham, who's uh, basically got like this revenge agenda. Uh, vendetta and he somehow ends up being recruited and being a part of the the family does he even end up in the final scene i don't remember they have this they have this barbecue almost every fast because right. they have to because you gotta you gotta have a barbecue and then so this one's no different they have a barbecue i'm seriously questioning my own family's strength based on the fact that i have a lack of barbecue <laughs> right. going on in my life so in <laughs> corona too which i don't like but evidently i need to have some corona really, yes you're not family until you have corona and a barbecue yeah um but yeah, was, yeah i don't was remember if he's in at the end because yeah i wouldn't be surprised oh yes oh, wait, yes then they show he up brings the baby. the baby yeah they bring the baby yeah <laughs> yeah so now he's like a officially part of the family because he's got barbecue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, they do have that pattern they've established and I'm really worried that they're going to repeat that with Charlize Theron and I feel like it would be a little tired at that point, a little worn when they hit Fast 9. Yeah. Or whatever. So, but yeah, was there anything else in spoiler territory that you wanted to talk about? Did you want to talk about the sub sequence or anything like that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I'm good. Yeah, I'll just say the subsequence was just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I, I at first I was like, how are they gonna the, the things going into the ice? Oh, I didn't. It didn't yeah. make sense. First of all, they didn't establish that it was on a platform that lowers. It just looked like it was like kind of moored on stilts. I gotta say that was one of my like favorite like you know outside the film experiences is watching the film, but watching your reactions to the right of me, <laughs> like your your hand just kept going up and you're just like. What, what the hell? What is going on? And then, and then, like you said, something cool would happen. So you're like, okay, I'll allow it. Yeah. Like I could like hear your thoughts, and then like a couple more minutes go by, and you're like, what the hell is that? And your hand would go up again, and then you know. So I was like, well, all right, you know, Jeff's making notes for later. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I will say too, like you know, bringing up the submarine, I you know, and I mentioned this to you that night. I think that um, the whole like sequence with it running and bursting out of the ice, and I was like. It's like Jaws, and I think they even mentioned that in the film where they where they say something like, "We're going to need a bigger car," and the whole like riff on the Jaws thing. So again, it's like I want to find fault with some of the things that you see in these films, mm-hmm. but they clearly know, like they're so like aware, self aware of what they're doing. They're putting characters almost like to excuse it, and you you you, know, you almost have to give them a pass. Yeah. But how long can we give them a pass? Like, right? You know, it's like we've we've now had Fast and Furious on ice. Yeah. What's next? Right. <laughs> you know, I start thinking about Moonraker, and I'm like, oh god, don't put him in space. Right. You know, so I, but maybe maybe do put him in space. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on Fate of the Furious? You know, I don't know. I guess the the, the big takeaway I left that night was that you could hear audibly the enjoyment of the of the people in the film mm-hmm. or in the in the audience, myself included, whether it was laughing, 
hooting and hollering, whatever. It's a fun time. And like you said earlier, if you enjoy the series at all, you'll enjoy this one. And, and maybe it's not better than the two or three before it, but, but you know, it still has a lot of, of fun. I, I agree. I <laughs> agree. I, I'm a little bit cooler on the movie than you. I, I, I have some reservations with my recommendation. <laughs> um, but uh, if you're a fan, just continue watching uh, the series. You'll either go with it or it'll lose you. One, one way or the other, I'm sure. I definitely have that feeling like, like man, when these are all really done, like for real, for real, and the dust settles, then we could pick our couple favorite and just, you know, <laughs> we'll just watch those maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it'd definitely be five through seven for me. All right, well, that about does it for our main event. Alan, you have to jet. Shanna's going to come on in a second here. We're going to talk about our film faves, 2014. But did you want to leave us with your uh, your favorite movie of 2014? My favorite movie of 2014? So I think my favorite movie of 2014 was probably Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I'm excited to see where that franchise is going, how far they're going to take it. Whether it's going to, you know, wrap around to the original, you know, film or not. I don't know. I'm just excited to see that. And it's, it's uh, obviously got some allegorical things in there with our own <laughs> modern society and, and uh, how things can uh, run amok. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious to see where that one goes. Very cool. That is an awesome choice. I want to thank you for joining uh, us, Alan. Uh, it's been awesome, as always, uh, talking movies with you. And, you know... You're uh, kind of my go-to guy with martial arts movies. Maybe someday we'll be able to get you in for a martial arts episode. Maybe, maybe. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Absolutely. And now, Shanna Paxton is back to join us for our film faves. Welcome back, Shanna. Hello, everyone. You missed me. <laughs> we definitely missed you. It's good to have you back. Of course, film faves is where we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. Mostly, we're marching through time. We've had 2016, 2015 to this episode. We're going to talk about our favorite movies of 2014. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. All right, Shanna, do you want to start us off with your number 12 movie of 2014? Sure. My number 12 is Birdman. I thought this was... <laughs> My number 12, too. Okay, go no, ahead. for heaven's sake. <laughs> I hope we don't do this tandem thing again. It just shows that we're meant to be. So. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a beautiful piece of cinematography. I mean, the camera work with the single takes yeah. was just amazing and the lighting was beautiful and I have a special place in my heart yeah. for anything that takes place in or around a theater mm -hmm. I used to dance and we used to obviously go to the theater and it was a really old theater so it always looked amazing seeing all those nooks and crannies yeah and posters in the backstage and, all that yes that's mm -hmm. what it's called yeah it was really really fun uh, and yeah it, there was great acting by everybody mm -hmm. and it was really intriguing and fun yeah, I would echo those uh, sentiments. Uh, the only other thing I would add is, of course, it's really cool. Even though Michael Keaton denied it, I, I think it's really uh, perfect and intentional casting. Now, this guy who has this superhero franchise in the past that he's always remembered for. And it's like he's, our lives. He's trying to do it. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know what super what you're talking about i thought that was really clever having uh, birdman batman parallel of course now michael keaton's uh doubling down and he's going to be the vulture in the next spider-man movie which is weird but he was great emma stone was great it's my number 12 as well what's your number 11 my number 11 is whiplash excellent this was a great portrayal of how far you may need to go to Mm. live out your passion if it is an artistic passion Mm -hmm. and um this is what life could look like if you have a maniacal dictator of a teacher i had a teacher like this for a language subject in my high school and i wasn't even passionate about it so i just got dealt a teacher like that so i thought it was just really good really good cinematography again and fantastic acting and I am a huge fan of J.K. Simmons. (laughs) Awesome. That is a great pick. What Uh, is your 11? My number 11 is Big Hero 6. Disney, this was actually the first true marriage of Marvel and Disney uh, coming together. Disney decided to take an obscure superhero team from Marvel Comics and adapt it into their next animated feature. And I thought it was awesome. You care about the team. that Each member has its own really cool superpowers. It's got great superhero action in it. It's got really great emotional content that I think actually really is, is I want to say it'll really rock you. <laughs> that sounds really lame to say, but I really feel like it's very affecting. It'll the, hit you at your core. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was really impressive and it's a beautifully animated uh, film. I actually really wanted to see a sequel to Big Hero 6, and I, I'm not a fan of Disney sequels usually, but this was the one I really wanted to see more uh, from. Unfortunately, they're going into a TV show direction. Oh, uh, that's so fun. Yeah, I'd rather it be a movie myself. But anyway, it's my number 11. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, my number 10 is Kinsman. This is a film about a secret agency that has an open position. They essentially have already existing members choose someone who they think would be good for the the position. And it's like tryouts, but hardcore tryouts. Very hardcore, yeah. (laughs) And outside of that, there's this evil corporation trying to solve a world problem. Hmm. Um, And just so bizarre. And the actors in this film are so great. I mean, from Colin Firth to Samuel L. Jackson... And there's British humor in it, of course, so that's always fun. And the concept, I feel, is really original. And Mm. the special effects are hilarious. And just (laughs) trust me on it. Go watch it. It's so funny. It is fun. It is a little over the top. Uh, So that's that's a fun pick. My number 10 is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, A little surprising to have it so far down the list, but... The first one was just one of the best animated films I had seen in quite some time. An extraordinary experience. Were they going to able to live up to that one with a sequel? They somehow figured out how to and doubled down on the huge dragon action sequences. They did a great job with expanding on uh, the main character's family history. Uh, and which was kind of the heart of the film and uh, I thought it was just a really great experience so How to Train Your Dragon 2 one of, definitely one of the best animated movies of that year it's my number 
10. Oh, and before I move on, I want to backtrack a little. Usually we try to make mention if a particular movie is available on Amazon Prime, Netflix, or Hulu. None of these movies so far on my list are available on any of those services. Of course, you could probably rent these movies on Amazon, though. What is your number nine? My number nine is John Wick. Any man that's going to go on a rampage of revenge for the particular incident that occurred to him is a complete turn-on and hero in my life. <laughs> and Which... I don't care what he did before this. Yeah, It does not matter to me. And It's no spoiler to say his dog dies. And that was quite traumatic for you to watch. Yeah, and everyone knows already by this point how I feel about that kind of thing. <laughs> but this is the one movie where I'm like, okay, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be fine. And, oh, all these people get to die. It's going to be great. Right. And I think that the dude responsible for that particular thing that happened is such a great depiction of typical entitled brattiness. Mm. And he totally deserved what came his way. <laughs> um, in my opinion, it was a great revenge action film. Not mm. as great as Kill Bill, but I felt like it was high up there. Wow. Very cool. My number nine is Snowpiercer. Uh, by director Bong Joon-ho. Oh, I forgot about that one. That's and yeah, that is, I feel like a movie that's not known about enough. I definitely would champion this film. It, it was definitely the talk of the town in the, in the movie circles and the people in the entertainment industry or the blogger circles. Outside of that, I'm not sure that it got much attention. Uh, it's a Chris Evans movie post-Captain America. Dark, dystopian, future, sci-fi uh, it's got class, uh, kind of a class war thing going on in there. It is violent. It is bloody. Oh, and Octavia Spencer is in it. Too. Oh, yes. Octavia Spencer is in it, too. It is just awesome. Love it. Snowpiercer, my number nine. Okay, my number eight is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Ah, and, cool. of course, it's beautiful and it's fantastic. And mm -hmm. the story is just great. But I love it because it's such a great depiction of love. Mm, and mm -hmm. respect yeah. in a relationship. It shows what it can look like for young adults. Mm -hmm. And it shows what it looks like in, you know, the more mature, wiser adults mm. later on in the film. And I just felt like that was so great. And I highly recommend that movie. And I believe that it's on Netflix. Oh, is it? It's I on Netflix, I could. We'll double check. But I know that the TV show is on Netflix, and that's fun, too. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, so my number eight is Captain America Winter Soldier. You know, um, at this point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they need to make sure that everything is uh, feeling fresh and not same old, same old. And I really feel like Winter Soldier was a really great example of how to do this right with a franchise. They recruited Robert Redford to play a role in the film, and it, it serves as kind of a knowing homage to the 70s espionage movies. And if, you, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. It is also one of the most significant chapters in the entire series as nothing is the same. Like literally as nothing is the same after this uh, movie. This thing had ripple effects in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show um, all throughout. Uh, and they have never gone backwards on what happens in this movie. So uh, it's also 
a lot of fun and, and it's got some pretty awesome action with the Winter Soldier itself in it. So that's my number eight, Captain America Winter Soldier. Okay, my number seven is the Lego movie. Everything is awesome about this movie. <laughs> and fair warning, if you haven't seen it yet, the song in there is going to get stuck in your head. Don't worry about it. Just dance it out. <laughs> I fell in love with the story, the characters. I laughed hysterically at the character Unikitty. I think she's a great representative for kindness and respect for one another. She oh. is a fantastic mascot for Antibully. So I always have my eyes glued to the screen when that movie is playing because the visual effects are really fun too. What is Awesome. Yours? My number seven is 22 Jump Street. Ah, that is a fun one. That is a hilarious movie. You kind of wonder, okay, first of all, it's called 22 Jump Street. That's pretty lame. They point out no, how not. lame it is. It's they point lame. it out immediately how ridiculous it is. This is a movie about how ridiculous sequels to action movies can be, and it is brilliant. It is absolutely hilarious. I defy you not to have a good time and and just laugh your ass off while watching this movie. I kind of feel like maybe, maybe this requires rewatch, but it might have even be funnier than the, the previous movie. I don't know. But it is a, a lot of fun for sure, and uh, just, just a great time. Probably, I think, the best comedy of 2014, 22 Jump Street is my number seven. What is your number six? Gone Girl. Really? Gone Girl? This was great. I didn't know what was going on the entire time. And that's always a hook for me. And when I realized I was wrong, that was actually exciting and mm. didn't annoy me. Mm-hmm. There isn't a moment to go to the bathroom because <laughs> it's just so packed with intrigue. Yeah. You don't want to miss a single piece of information because you do want to try and figure out what is going on. Hmm. The actors and actresses' performances are spot on. The cinematography is clean and beautiful. Hmm. I loved how they played with light and how symbolic it was to the storytelling. Hmm. I highly recommend this film. Yeah, that's definitely a movie that you didn't really want to talk about for fear of spoiling uh, anything uh, for anybody. And that's a that's a pretty solid uh, David Fincher film. My number six is The Guardians of the Galaxy. I love that movie so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was uh, kind of an unknown quantity. They're very obscure characters, which actually was a good thing because it allowed them to do whatever the hell they wanted. Uh, in the movie, and what they ended up doing was kind of creating the Indiana Jones of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in space, and it was a blast. It's actually on its own a really solid, good time, and sometimes the movie doesn't have to be much more than just a really great time, and that's what Guardians of the Galaxy provides from beginning to end. You have so much fun and introduces these new characters that you really love and i'm bet yeah guardians of the galaxy volume 2 which will probably be out by the time this episode comes out is gonna do gangbusters at the box office and that's because this thing in 2014 was awesome and did very very well with good reason it's almost like it's star wars but without all the drama 
Yeah, and more well, color. It's just it's just <laughs> fun. It's just constant fun, you well, know. Yeah, I mean, like, if you have to take a second and think about Star Wars, and mm. what if Darth Vader wasn't dark? What if he was like light, and everybody had a good time? It would like be this big party and family time. Yeah, I don't know if I can entirely <laughs> follow you there, but but I uh, but we I'm do. I'm not agree. saying let's have that. I'm just yeah. saying. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, that's my number six, the Guardians of the Galaxy. What's your number five, now that we're past the halfway point. My lucky number, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, excellent. I just love Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. I thought he did such an amazing job, and I really wish that there was some sort of acknowledgement that could be given on a bigger platform, the same yeah. platform as, okay, Oscar-nominated. you Oscars, yeah. Yeah, best actor, okay, mm-hmm. best actor in... Yeah. Well, you know, this movie really got a lot of attention for uh, motion capture performances being equitable to any other person who's nominated in a, an acting category. So it's interesting that you pointed that out. Apparently you feel just as strongly. Yeah, I mean, you're not just sitting back making small facial expressions. Right. The, I mean, this character that Andy Serkis plays goes through a huge range of emotions, and he should get recognized for that. I love you, Andy. Yeah, we both love you, Andy. Yeah, he's great. He's uh, he's the guy people come to now to teach other people how to do motion capture. And, yeah, that's a great pick. Uh, we may talk a little bit more about that. That was your number five. My number five is Godzilla. Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of uh, second guessing my my pick of having it uh, just above Guardians of the Galaxy, but whatever. What the hell? It was a lot of fun. The they did a really interesting job with adapting this character and creating this new world for this character. It's not a sequel or anything. It just kind of acknowledges in some interesting footage. Uh, what's happened before it sort of references the original Godzilla movie mm. in an interesting way. It does everything that the Noah, the Roland Emmerich movie from like 1997 or 98 <laughs> didn't do, right? And it's a, it's awesome. It's a blast. It's hard not to really get into it when when uh, Godzilla is taking down those uh, other kaiju now known as Motus or Mutos, I think they're called. Yeah. It's, a, it's not a great movie, but it is a fun movie for sure. So mm. that's my number five, Godzilla. What is your number four? Number four for mm. me is Interstellar. And it's really? not just because my would-be husband, Matthew McConaughey, is in there. It's such a great father-daughter film. Okay. And one of my favorite sci-fi films. Oh my goodness, and how great was Matthew McConaughey at portraying a father in that particular kind of situation? Totally new territory. Mm. You don't have to deal with nonsense like that every day. So I felt like he really did a really good job. Mm -hmm. And Jessica Chastain was fantastic, and so was the, unfortunately, I don't know her name, but the younger actress oh see it's been too Um, long i don't remember she did a fantastic job too and Mm -hmm. what a unique story and what a great way to have a variety of topics being 
chewed on Hmm. you know you could take a totally scientific but you could also take the spiritual side of things Hmm. and really look at that and enjoy that so i feel like this film is for a lot of people Hmm. and i love the soundtrack and you know there's a lot of different actors in this john lithgow one of my favorites he did a good job i don't have anything bad to say about this film and the cinematography was just so good and i recommend anything by chris nolan i don't do war films but his next one is a war film so we're just gonna see how shanna does if she's in one piece by the end of it (laughs) but i figured i better go watch it because it's nolan yeah i wasn't as enamored as you were with that movie but i will agree mcconaughey does uh, a great job and the that scene when he's catching up on all the videos of his daughter growing up, uh, sending those transmissions to him is is um, pretty powerful acting there. Mm-hmm. What was yours? My number four is the Lego Movie. <laughs> so I will say, kind of add to what you say by just pointing out that this is a movie about building blocks. No one thought that that would be great. Well, it ends up being... See, that's my point, is the Miller and Lord, the directors, they took what Legos do for people, what people do with Legos, mm. and they used that as a jumping-off point rather than what Legos literally are. And so you have this brilliant animated film that is about the power of imagination and also... I won't say what it is in case, for whatever reason, you haven't seen the movie yet, but we discover. Go watch the movie. Yeah, absolutely. We discover there's more to it. There's a more human connection in the movie, let's say. And it's really the kicker that just really took me all over the edge with this film. I, I will say, though, I saw it in 3D and then I saw it in 2D. 3D is really the way to go with that movie. Because it, it's, it really immerses you in that world so much better. And when you're watching in 2D, you can see it trying to be 3D. And it just really bugs me. But it is a brilliant film. And I contend probably one of the five greatest animated films of the decade. Right now, though, it's my number four favorite film of 2014. What is your third favorite film of 2014 shanna my third favorite film is x-men days of future past and really that's your number three yeah. very surprising if you had to make me choose between x-men and star wars <laughs> i think x-men's gonna win no way because that was my jam growing up star wars you know became a part of me later but yeah X-Men was always from the get-go. Wow, I'm surprised. Okay. And I just felt like this film was amazing. It made me cry. It made me laugh. It made me angry. It made me sad. It just stirred a whole lot of emotions in me. Hmm. And I just thought the visual effects were so great and so cool that they combined the two different, not really movie franchises, but the different timelines that they had going on. Right. Okay. I thought that was really, really great. And, of course... I think this was my favorite version of Wolverine. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I don't. I'm not the, the future hugest. version or the seventies time. What do you mean by? I really version? liked his character in this film. Ah, okay. I'm not always a huge Wolverine fan. Yeah. Except for the Logan movie, that's pretty cool. But 
I really enjoyed him in this one and I enjoyed seeing all the different characters and what they were capable of doing and mm. it was really quite wonderful for me. Very, very cool. What very is cool. your number three? Well, I'm surprised to see that one as your number three. I totally thought it'd be your number one. But my number three is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Nice. Uh, which Alan mentioned was his favorite uh, film of 2014. For I, I recently watched this film again uh, for the first time in a couple of years. It's a great film. I mean, it really builds on what Rise of the Planet of the Apes, a film that on the page sounded like a bad idea, what that movie established. This film goes even further with, and it is quite an achievement. The You're right about Andy Serkis' acting, Toby mm-hmm. Kebble as well as Koba. They do a fantastic job in their motion capture performances. You really believe these characters live and breathe and speak the way they do. It's, it's, um, and Koba has a menacing uh, aspect to him that makes him a really great villain. Mm. Thematically, it, it's a great example of how all it takes is one person from either side of an argument to ruin everything. Yes. And to lead to war or countries or nations disagreeing in some way. And they do a good job with building that tension. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is a great, great film. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, my number three favorite film of 2014. You know, I think that I have to say as well that you showed me that film. Yeah. But you didn't show me the first one first oh because i thought you had already seen it i remember that yeah and they just did such a great job with doing little subtle callbacks to the first film yes but in such a way that if you didn't see the first one you were still good you could figure it out but it wasn't spoon-fed either so it was a really great balance i just wanted to end with that no that's a fantastic point absolutely you're right what is your number two film Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I, I watch this thing on repeat. I have listened to the soundtrack probably about 80 times. Jeff actually just asked me how many times I had listened to it this morning. <laughs> um, it always puts me in a good mood. Yeah. I love how raw these characters are. Every single character, maybe except Groot. We don't know really Groot's actual story. But all the characters, all the heroes in this have something quite traumatic that has happened to them mm-hmm. and they they show it they're not shy about showing their pain and they also try to sometimes they try to make light of their pain but ultimately you get to see how messed up all of them are mm. and that's why they're such a great team is because you don't just have a team of heroes that are happy with life and everything goes well and with this one they just do a really great job at showing what can happen Mm. and when they unify at the end oh that purple smoke scene Mm -hmm. that storm oh my gosh it's so beautiful yeah oh i love it i will quickly very briefly add i do actually think that uh the villain in that film is one of the best of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. That... He's also like an entitled villain. Yeah, Ronan the Accuser, I think, uh, gets a lot of flack that's undeserved. I think he's among the top five <laughs> villains of that whole series. No, I think he does a good job. And then just one last thing. I thought that the interaction with Rocket was really great. You know, you look at something like the Golden Compass, 
and when they had the you're talking about on a technical level yes when they oh, had okay. the cg characters they yeah, were just yeah, using yeah. i don't know what they use now but they just used a sphere and like it was so bad and so crude and you can see they're looking straight. in the golden compass yes you mm. can see that they're looking straight past what is actually meant to be there yeah. but now i don't know if training with actors and actresses has evolved well, technology has too well that too but they just did a really great job with yeah, that definitely what is yours my number two my second favorite film of 2014 is x-men days of future past <laughs> so this is a legendary comic story days of future past that they adapted originally it was kitty pride who goes back in time with a future from a future self it makes more sense in the film franchise for it to be Wolverine. They even make the case he can actually survive it better. So I actually have to give props uh, for that. A lot of people give it some uh, It was a good decision. For that. But this movie is one of my favorites of the whole franchise because it's just so fucking intense. <laughs> and you, first of all, get to see... All these mutants in the future using their powers together as a team, and that's always thrilling. But you also see these characters get brutally uh, killed over by sentinels. And over again. And that is intense mm. to see, especially in a PG 13 uh, superhero franchise film. That was just uh, really awesome, awesome stuff. And they did a really great job. I feel adapting uh, more or less the uh, the seventies stuff. The little bit at the there's some questionable stuff that happens at the very end that I don't think they ever really paid off very well in X Men okay. Apocalypse. That's okay. You just get one or two fudges, and yeah. that's fine. But it was surprising how well they pulled off this film. My only issue with the movie really was. The continuity is just plain fucked up in this franchise. <laughs> and when you acknowledge that First Class is actually a part of the same continuity as the original X-Men, don't if you think about it for more than a couple minutes, it's, it's just a bunch of nonsense. No, it's just enjoy it. Yeah, enjoy it for what it is. I loved it, despite its continuity flaws. It's my second favorite movie. What is your favorite film of 2014, Shanna? So, my number one is a tie. What? That's, <laughs> and, that's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. because I didn't look at the list very well. I thought I did. I thought I was so prepared this time. Yeah, all no. right. I'll give it. I'll yeah, let it pass this one time. <laughs> you guys what, are just going to have to forgive me. So, the first part of the tie yeah. is wild. I thought that this was such a fantastic film. I can relate to all of it except for the... The heroin, the I mean the heroin, the abortion, and all the other. Oh, nonsense. the actual drug heroin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you can't relate to that. I can relate to you know the concept of going on some kind of journey to heal yourself. Mm. Um, my journey was au pairing, so I just <laughs> quite a bit different. <laughs> you can't do those other things when yeah. you're an au pair. <laughs> And I thought Cheryl Strayed, she's an amazing storyteller. Mm. If you read the book, then you get what I'm saying. And I thought that Reese Witherspoon did a fantastic job of portraying Cheryl Strayed. I thought it was amazing. The other part of the tie is Only Lovers Left Alive. And when Both I saw this... really good this, choices, I admit. I saw this on Jeff's list, and I was like, why is that there? And I was like, no, no, I have to have it on my list. Yeah. And I just... This movie is like the best vampire movie 
lover vampire movie ever. Yeah. It's a great romance. They, you know, they do so great. It's just a beautiful film and it makes me want that kind of love all the mm. time. Just the subtle ways that they touch each other and show affection for each other and how much they respect each other when they're in each other's presence. Yeah. It's just beautiful. You're talking about the two main characters played by Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton. Yes. That does make a great antidote to Twilight, um, which uh, was wrapping up around that time. And mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite Jim Jarmusch movie. That's a really good good pick. I don't feel like enough people have seen that movie. So they that need is, to go seek it out. It's so beautiful. Please go rent it. I swear to you it's worth it, especially yeah. if you're into the whole vampire culture. This is probably the most realistic depiction of it. I mean, more or less, what I would they... say. I think it is available on one of those streaming services, so you should be able to find it. Great, great picks. I will let this 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 cheat slide this time. Apparently, I only get one a year. Well, we both. But it's get... my birthday, so maybe it's a gift. Yeah, there we go. We only get we both only get one a year, if that. But my number one is Edge of Tomorrow. Really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Really funny. This movie is very close to being a perfect movie. Not just a perfect sci-fi movie. I thought you hated the end. Well, that's the thing that keeps it from being a oh, perfect movie. I was terrifying. seriously watching with bated breath, and it got to the last five minutes. I was like, no, you almost <laughs> did it. <laughs> you almost had it. But I look, 95% of the film is, is it's just perfect. It's just a great film. And em- Emily Blunt's, man. She's probably one of the best sci-fi action female characters ever made. Oh, that would be a good podcast. Oh, just you wait. Stay tuned. (laughs) But yeah, she's definitely a great heroine. And Tom Cruise, he plays against type by actually playing the fool. He's not this perfect action hero. Yeah, he's really stupid. That's great. Yeah, he's hilarious in it. Stupid really suits him. He is hilarious in it. It's Groundhog Day in Independence Ah. Day or Starship Troopers just mashed up together. And it is fun and it is cool. And it's just a great film. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that is my absolute favorite movie of 2014. What is your favorite movie of 2014? Listeners, feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Shannon, you look like you have something to say. I was just going to say they can somehow just type it in the comment area. Yes. Like wherever you're listening, just send a little note. Absolutely, yes. If you find this podcast on SoundCloud or on our blog, uh, The Gibson Review. Dot com. You can always leave a comment there as well. We love your uh, feedback. We love to hear what your favorite movies are in your film faves. All right, that about wraps it up for this episode. Shanna, where can people find you on the internet? So people can find me, Shanna Paxton, at shannapaxton.com and on Instagram at Woman's, that's with an A because we're speaking about a particular woman at a time, underscore journey, underscore two, that's the word, underscore empowerment. There you can follow me and see all sorts of fun things. Awesome. 
You can find me at thegibsonreview.com where you'll find other lists and other uh, past reviews. Find me on Facebook at The Gibson Review. You'll find shared links as well as other short reviews. You can, If you're on Flickchart, you can find me at The Gibson 99 as well. If you have constructive feedback to provide or other comments. Be kind. Be kind. Or other comments about the episode, you can email thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us once again for The Movie Lovers. Next time on The Movie Lovers, Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do this. This is Shanna and Jeff signing out. Have a great time and enjoy the love of movies. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.